amazing, and uh, we don't often commit so much time to a, a video, but we felt like today as we talk about the Holy Spirit that it was a great way to get started because really, truly and honestly, so many people misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is. Even well-meaning believers misunderstand the Holy Spirit, and we are in week two of our Spirit-wise message series, and today, last week we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how He empowers us through the gifts, uh, just like we saw in that video. God empowers His people to do great things for Him, uh, but today we're going to be kind of taking a look at the moment when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. It's called Pentecost Sunday, and it's found in Acts chapter if you have your Bibles, listen, you're going to need them today. We're going to be reading a lot of Scripture, and at one point, we're going to let the Word of God do the preaching this morning, uh, and I believe that it's going to be a powerful mo uh, morning today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in the book of Acts to begin with. Start in Acts chapter 1, if you would go there. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to begin as we take a look at the Holy Spirit at work among us. In Acts chapter 1, this is Jesus speaking just before he's taken back up to, into heaven. He's been raised to life. He's gathered his disciples together again, and now he says these words to them here in verse, chap, uh, verse 8 of chapter 1. It says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Uh, come on, say it like you got some. Ready? Power. There we go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Today we're going to celebrate what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and we, it starts with this promise. Now Jesus is speaking before he's taken into heaven, and he's telling them that this, this comforter, the Holy Spirit, is coming to them to disciple them as he had been discipling them in the flesh. He had been with the twelve, he had been pouring into them for three and a half years, and now he says, I'm about to go back to heaven, but I'm, it's good that I do that. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he says, it's good that I do that because the Holy Spirit is going to be your discipler. He's going to lead you in ways that, that I couldn't even do in my flesh. He's going to lead you like uh, it was God himself leading you, because it is God himself and the, the fulfillment of this verse actually happens in chapter 2. Now go ahead and flip over. If you have an old Bible, you just got to flip a page maybe. Uh, we're going to Acts chapter 2 next. So this is the promise of Jesus, that the, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Now, last week we began learning how the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, and those gifts are, are given so that we can help others around us, to bless them through the gift of prophecy, healing, tongues, interpretation, uh, faith. All of these gifts of the Holy Spirit are powerful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are full of power. When the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, there's power there. Now, as we take a look at Acts chapter 2, we're going to see that God made good on his promise to fill them with power. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever had somebody tell you that they were really good at something? And then once you got to do that thing with them, you found out that mm, maybe they were talking it up a little bit. 
a time or two, right? Maybe, maybe you've been the one that, that's done that. You know, it'd be like this. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I'm talking to you and I'm telling you that I'm a killer basketball player. Y'all, I, I can hang with the best of them. I'm talking all this trash, you know. Now, just looking at me, you're probably already judging me. I know. It's okay. It's okay. The Lord will judge you as well. Um, I'm just just kidding, just kidding. Um, you know, if I'm talking this big game about my basketball game, my skills on the court, if I'm talking this big game and then I show up to play a one-on-one uh, a game with you and I stink at it, I need to shut up. Because the, the strength that I think I have, the power that I talk about, it's not there. And here's the thing. I believe a lot of believers talk a big game. But when it comes down to it, when we're, on, when we're on the court of life, the power's missing. The power's out because we've not taken the time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a process each and every day of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us with power. And so I want to encourage you today. There, there are many of you today that are going, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how to live this Christian life. Many of us don't even know that the Holy Spirit can fill us with this power. I'm here to tell you that without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just talking a big game. The Holy Spirit at work in our lives is the one who gives us the power to even hold our tongue. Can I get an amen? Amen. When we need to hold our tongue, when we need to walk with wisdom, you know, it's called spirit-wise. For us to be wise in the Spirit, we need to have true power from the Holy Spirit and not just talk a big game. Well, this is the moment for the church when they, it's not talk anymore and it becomes power. It's found in Acts chapter 2. Let's read together. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of uh, fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages just as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the same time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise... Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now, I want you to just stop, pause for a minute. This is the moment when the Holy Spirit turns the lights on in the church, so to speak. This is when he, he plugs the church in. And it's a noisy, crazy ruckus, man. People, uh, the fire appears. Can you imagine that if that happened? Most church people, even uh, church people would run out the doors if that happened in here today. You know, the, the, the room shook. The Holy Spirit came in such power that there was fire over every person's head. And they began to speak in languages of the people who were visiting Jerusalem during that time, during that feast of Pentecost. And so these people came running to see the craziness that was happening. You know, whenever the Holy Spirit is present, people come watching, don't they? Whenever the Holy Spirit's truly at work in your life, they'll come from everywhere. They may not understand it, but they want to know what's happening in that moment. And it says in verse 7, look at it, how, uh, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. Now, for those of you that don't know about Galilee, let me tell you about Galilee. Galilee, it was like saying, yo, these people are from the backwoods, yo. Like Pennsylvania, right? Like these people... 
The, Galilee was like the backside of everything. You follow? So th- this wasn't a compliment. They were saying, how do these dummies know how to speak in my language? How do they know multiple languages? You know how, how they did? The Holy Spirit was working in them for a purpose. Now watch. And yet, they said in verse 8, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yo, I need a drink of water. That's a long list of names. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages. Every language that I just read was being spoken by someone in that room to share this good news about God. And we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Let's pray together. God, I'm asking that you would do such a work in our church here at the intersection that people would come from everywhere and say, what is happening? What can this mean? What can this mean? I hear, I hear the good things of God being spoken in my language through the power of the Holy Spirit. I desire this to happen in our church, God, in the church at large all around the world, God, I pray that, uh, that you would allow us to grab a hold of the power of Pentecost Sunday again. Plug us in. Turn the lights on again, Father. As we emerge from this dark time, God, we need your spirit, and we need your spirit to come in power. So veni, sancte, spiritus, come, Holy Spirit. Be with your people as we read your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So he had this, this amazing story about how the Holy Spirit dropped in this room. This, the, the disciples and, and many others were gathered together, and the, it just blows the place up, like in, a, in the best possible way. And people come running from everywhere to hear the gospel being preached to them in their own language, but they still didn't quite understand what was happening. And in the midst of this, we're going to see one of the key players of the early church step forward into the call of God in his life. Can I tell you that there are people within this church right now, God has placed you in this time and in this day for such a time as this. He wants to use you just like he used the apostle Peter that we're about to read one of the the most powerful, the very first Holy Spirit anointed sermon of all time came from the lips of a man who was a mess before Jesus filled him with the Holy Spirit. Peter had been the one who had denied him three times. When the, when the pressure was on, he talked a big game, y'all. He was, he was talking a big game. He said to Jesus, I, I would give my life for you, Jesus. I would do anything you wanted me to do. How many of you have ever had somebody say that to you? And then when the moment came for them to follow through with that, they fell short. Well, that's what happened to Peter. Peter had failed multiple times, and yet he continued to come back to Jesus. He continued to humble himself. And what we see is in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, when he fills Peter, Peter comes into a brand new anointing. Y'all, I'm believing that for you and for me. 
I believe that there are some Peters in this room that are going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to speak His Word, His message about truth and love and righteousness in our day and in our time. So here's our big idea for today. Great power comes from a great God. All right? Everybody say that with me. Great power comes from a great God. That's right. Great power in our lives can only come when we recognize the great God that gives that power. We recognize the Holy Spirit because He's the one who brings us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The power that came on Pentecost is still available to you and to me. And so today, God always gives power to His people. But listen, He doesn't give power for no reason. God always gives power on purpose for a purpose. Let me say that again. God always gives power on purpose for a purpose. There has been a time in the church where we have taken the gifts of the Holy Spirit for granted and we have, we have used it to make ourselves feel good. But the time is coming and it is here where the gifts of God are only given to those who will use it humbly for His purpose. God gives His power on purpose for a purpose. Remember, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power there is dunamis, the Greek word for dunamis. It means like an explosion, like TNT. It's a powerful explosion in our lives. That is what God wants to do. He wants to come and he wants to fill us with that kind of power. But God gives power on purpose, for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? That purpose is to lead us, to guide us, to be more like him so that we can be his witnesses, just like he said to the early church. So God gives us power to be witnesses to the world. Now, if you have your Bibles there still open, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, or go a little further down there in Acts chapter 2, uh, and I'm going to do this. This is a little different, um, as my Bible app asks me, if I want to do a... Uh, want to review it? No, not right now. We're going to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to do something that's a little different. So we're not going to put the words up on the screen, but I want you to hear, I want you to hear the sermon of Peter. The Holy Spirit moved upon Peter in that moment when they started to say, what is going on here? What can this be? Peter, the apostle, stepped forward and began to preach. Look at this, verse 14. And if you want to just listen, if you don't have a Bible, just listen and, and hear these words. Verse 14, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Now, Peter's going to point back to this prophecy of the Old Testament prophet Joel. 
Now, Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had been promised hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus ever came. And one of them is in the prophet Joel. You can actually read this in Joel uh, if you go to that part, part of your Bible, but it's quoted here. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all. Everybody say all. all. I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Can I get an amen? Amen. Women, come on. Y'all speak up. It's okay. The Lord wants to hear the word through you as well. Even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, pause for a second. These are the words of the apostle Peter to a bunch of Jews in the first century. And the reason that that part that I just read means absolutely nothing to us may be because we're 21st century Americans who don't understand what Peter was just referring to. All throughout Scripture, there is something called the day of the Lord. In the prophets of old, again and again, the Holy Spirit kept saying that there is coming a day when everyone will be judged. Every single person will be judged. It's the great, powerful day of the Lord. And the reason it sounds so scary, y'all, is because it is. Clouds of smoke and fire and the moon will be dark. Like, come on, guys. Like, All throughout Scripture, these things are prophesied as a way for us to understand that you can't just act like a fool and think you're going to get away with it. I I got an amen over here. Yeah. Yeah. See, the bottom line is that when it comes to the day of the Lord, Peter was reminding the people that were listening that there is still judgment coming. In a day and an age when it was very dark, he was reminding them that there is, a day, there is a day of judgment coming. Can I tell you that day? It's still in front of us. The day of the Lord is still coming, y'all. And the only one who can help us to avoid that day is Jesus. Only Jesus' sacrifice is the one that can atone for our, uh, our uh, sin, which is why he says in verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter says, you know what? This is important. You need to understand that everything that that is happening here is to help you understand that your life isn't right and you need to get right. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, not everybody will preach this, but I'm going to preach it because Peter preached it. He said, the day of the Lord is coming. Judgment is coming. You will stand before God in heaven and you will be judged for your life. And only those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ because of his perfect life and his perfect blood, only those will be saved. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, let's keep reading. People of Israel, listen. God 
publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that this would happen, and he prearranged a plan that was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God raised him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep its grip on him. King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried and his tomb is still here among us. But David was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants, meaning Jesus, would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave Jesus among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. And God raised Jesus from the dead. And we all, as he pointed to all of the 11 apostles and those behind him, we all are witnesses of this. Now he has exalted the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel and here in Gettysburg as well, know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. This is the very first Holy Spirit sermon of all time. And look what happens in verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And here is Peter's response. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. <laughs> a long sermon, right? Strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. If we want to see the Holy Spirit move in this way, we must repent from our sins, turn to God, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. 